But notice he said, in honor, give preference to one another. We live in a world that often clings to what is evil and abhors what is good. Where love for others is no longer exemplified, where honor is sought but not truly given. Christians can exemplify agape without hypocrisy. We are to, through kindness to others and through the honor we give to others, we are to let our love be without hypocrisy. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. I titled today's message, How to Live Like a Christian, because Paul is telling us how we should behave as believers in Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to learn that we are to have love without hypocrisy in verses 9 through 13. We are to bless and not to curse, verses 14 through 16. We're to live peaceably, verses 17 and 18. And we are to overcome evil with good, verses 19 through 21. I want to go ahead and read our our first point, verses 9 through 13. I want to read the context of that first point, love, not hypocrisy. Romans 12 Verse 9 tells us, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. And Father, I pray that you would just open our hearts and Lord, reveal to us in today's teaching how we should conduct ourselves as your followers in this world that we live in today. We find, Lord, that what Paul instructs for the believers in the first century church as he continues to instruct through your inspired word to the 21st century church, they largely go against what we see going on in the world today. So, Lord, you have called us with a different nature. And so, Lord, help us to learn how we should conduct ourselves, no matter the gift that you have given us or the gifts that you have given us. Lord, let all these things that we look at today become uh, hallmarks of our faith. We pray in the name of Jesus Amen. We discover that a person's character refers to 
the mental or moral qualities distinctive to that individual, that person. And Paul now lists out several qualities that are to be distinctives of Christians. And through our gifts, though they may vary, like we looked at last week, we're not to, as we go through verses 9 through 21, we're not to have just one or two or three. This is supposed to be the character of our lives. We are to let love be without hypocrisy. Although this is not the actual Greek word, it comes from a Greek word that refers to uh, putting on a mask, that of pretense. And so this word was associated with, in biblical times, of those who in theater back then, instead of wearing makeup, they would just get a, a different mask and they'd put a mask over their face and they would talk through the mask. And we are to be without the mask. We are to be without hypocrisy, without pretense. We're to be genuine, real, true, and sincere as we go about our lives. We are to let agape be without hypocrisy. Remember the Greek word for love. There's three of them mentioned in the New Testament. That of we're most familiar with is agape and also phileo. We'll have both of those being used in this text today. But the agape, we might say the agape love of Christ, a love that gives without expecting anything in return, we are to let agape be without hypocrisy. And we do so by abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good. We do so by being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. That word is Philadelphia. And we know that in our own country as the city of brotherly love. But it speaks about having that love for fellow mankind. We're also to let agape be without hypocrisy by giving preference to one another. But notice he said, in honor, give preference to one another. We live in a world that often clings to what is evil and abhors what is good. Where love for others is no longer exemplified, where honor is sought but not truly given. Christians can exemplify agape without hypocrisy. We are to, through kindness to others, and through the honor we give to others, we are to let our love be without hypocrisy. In 1 John 4.21, John said it this way, This is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. We're also to be diligent, fervent, and steadfast. Verses 11 through 13 tells us that we let agape be without hypocrisy, by not lagging in diligence. That Greek word for diligence there can be uh, translated as slothful. Uh, we're to have diligence. It means to have speed or zeal or an earnestness. And our zeal for Christ should be the mark of our Christianity. We should, man, we should be ready to serve others and to serve Christ. We should be fervent in spirit. That word for fervent means to be hot as liquids boil or as metal glows when it gets hot. It can speak about anger or love or zeal. And we have to ask, is our fervent spirit, is it seen as that of being anger or that of love? 
How do people identify us? How do they see us? We are to be fervent in spirit. We're to serve the Lord. It's a Greek word that refers to our service as being a slave, to be in bondage, to serve another. That we are in service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're rejoicing in hope. That hope speaks about the rejoicing itself, speaks about being cheerful, happy, or well off. We're to have this joy that other people in this world perhaps do not have. And I think sometimes people get a misconception of Christianity just by the lack of joy that they see upon our faces as we're out and about and doing life and how we respond to things. You know, it may cause a few uh, wrinkles or lines to kind of get on your face, but I'd rather have those wrinkles and lines come on because I'm smiling and joyful than frowning. We're to be patient in tribulation. To be patient, it means to stay under, to bear, or to have that perseverance. We're to be patient in tribulation. How do you react? How do you respond when things don't quite go the way you planned? Oftentimes, people watch how we're responding in those situations. And how do you represent Christ in those situations? It could be at school. It could be in the workplace. It could be at home. How do we respond when things don't quite go our way? And we think about things aren't going our way. He says patience and tribulation. He's talking about very turbulent times in your life. And there are those turbulent times that come in our life. And how do we respond in those ways? You know, one of the probably most turbulent times that I can remember in my life is when we had a trifecta of things going on with Lily having breast cancer. Our son, at the very, very day that she was diagnosed with breast cancer, we came home to find him uh, passed out from an eight ball of Coke. And the very next day, we sent him to U-Turn for Christ in California, which was a blessing, but it was also a great difficulty. And within a month, a month and a half, we discovered that Nathan would need heart surgery and he would have that very rapidly during that season as well. We had three major things going on at the same time. And the only way that I knew how to deal with it, I created this email chain and I began to kind of just pour out my heart on these emails. And people who would receive them would pray for us and I would hear from them every once in a while. In fact, I was at a Christian radio station in Valparaiso, Indiana once, and I walked in, and the woman there, she says, I know you. And it's like, no, this is the first time I've ever been here. And she turned around, and there was a picture of me and Lily hanging up on the wall behind it. And she says, no, I know you. We've been praying for you. And another pastor up in Wisconsin, and this is the one that spoke to me the most. He said, when I am feeling down and as if I'm going through some very troubling times, I go back through those emails that you sent out. And he was going on that journey with us, but also it gave him hope in his own difficulties that he was facing at that time. How we deal with turbulent times in our lives. People are watching. I'm not saying that I'm always successful, but we are to be patient in tribulation. We're to continue steadfastly in prayer. And that word simply means to tarry on, to remain, to endure in prayer. 
We're to distribute to the needs of the saints. Now, this is actually going within the church. We're to make sure that within the body of Christ that we share and we take part in their lives. And we're to be given to hospitality. I found this word interesting because the word for hospitality there, it literally means to entertain or love the love of a stranger. And so we have in in these last two lines of verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints within the fellowship, given to hospitality outside of the fellowship to entertain or the love of a stranger. And how we show hospitality to those who are close to us, also to those who are strangers. In Hebrews 6, 10 through 12, it tells us, For God is not unjust, forget your work, your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those through faith and patience, inherit the promises. We're to imitate those, so we identify when he says, imitate those through faith and patience. It means that we identify people who handle life well as believers in Jesus Christ. We identify them and we attempt to imitate them. We had an evangelist that used to come to my daddy's church, and he would often say, get your eyes off of me and get them on Jesus. That's wrong. It actually goes against what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, saying, follow me as I follow Christ. It should be that we conduct ourselves in such a way that we should be able to say, come on, follow me. I'll show you how it's done. Follow me. I'll show you how this Christian life is supposed to be. And it's through diligence, through fervent service to Jesus that we learn how to rejoice in hope. We find patience in tribulation. We remain steadfast in our prayers. We help with the needs of believers, but also showing love to those who have not yet believed. And to live like a Christian means that we love without hypocrisy. What a great list to go over, right? When we're getting back into, well, summer's kind of getting over, right? Back to school, back to vacations being over and getting back into the routine of life. Whether, you know, mom and dad's not in school, they could be taking classes. I I start mine on Tuesday, so I'm back into that routine as well. But even as parents, what goes with our children going back to school, all the activities, the sports that take place, the extra stuff that's going on during this time, we are to let love be without hypocrisy. We're also, in verses 14 through 16, bless and do not curse. It tells us, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so how do we respond to those who persecute, curse? Maybe they say or do bad things toward us. Maybe it's a a post that we get Somebody says something not too kindly about us and everyone else sees it. We're not to respond in kind like much of the world, but we are to respond with the love of Christ. First of all, we are to bless and not curse. We're to bless. It means to speak well of with praise and thanksgiving. 
I kind of get nervous when someone speaks well of me with praise and thanksgiving because I think, all right, what are you after? Why are you buttering me up? And yet, Paul says that's how we're to conduct ourselves. With praise and thanksgiving, we're to speak well of one another. We're not to curse. We're not to wish evil or ruin on anyone or to give one over to ruin is what the Greek word can mean. We're not to curse, but we are to, secondly, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And third, we're to weep with those who are weeping. Now, this word for weep, it, is, it literally means any loud expression of pain or sorrow, especially for the dead. And in New Testament times, in biblical times, they used to hire mourners, people who just had this gift of being loud when someone died. And this is the word. When they are weeping, we are to cry just as loud as they're crying. I don't know if I can quite do that, but that's the sense of the word. You're to put that emotion in. And our inherent sin nature teaches us to retaliate against those who hurt us, to complain about the success of others, not rejoice. And we often like to avoid awkward circumstances that causes someone to weep or mourn. And yet the Spirit of Christ demands that this is to be our response. In Matthew 5, verses 44 through 46, it says, Jesus saying, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. We are to conduct ourselves as God the Father conducts himself in this world as he sends blessing upon both those who believe and the unbelievers. He sends rain. He allows the sun to shine on not just Christians. We don't walk around in such a special way that the light is only over our heads and everybody else is in the darkness, spiritually maybe. And the light of faith has been turned on in our lives. But God blesses all, and so we are to be in that same way. We're to bless and not curse. We're to do good and not hate. We're to pray, even for those who come against us. And we're to be like-minded in verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. These are almost like Solomon's Proverbs. He keeps having all these one-liners, these little thoughts, and then he moves on to another section. But we are to be like-minded toward those who are of the faith. We're not to be high-minded but in humility, we are to serve one another. In humility, we're to serve one another. In Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The great C.S. Lewis, he once said about humility, 
True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. We live in a generation where we have a society of kids who that's all they know. Kevin mentioned it earlier, the selfie. That's all they do know is that, let me get another picture of myself, myself, myself. Let me post that picture of me, me, me. Let other people see me. Another author, this one unknown, said, humility is a strange thing. The minute you think you've got it, you've lost it. We are to be humble. And true humility, I believe it's hard to achieve and impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And yet we're called to humility. We're called to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might lift us up in due time, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 6. And there is no better example of true humility than our Savior Jesus Christ, as it tells us in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. And to live like a Christian means that we are to humbly serve one another. It stood out to me that it tells us that we are in humility to lift up others. In humility, we're to have that humble spirit about us as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, to be humble, it does not mean that we have to be weak. I've had guys in a, uh, tell me that from the construction side of things that you can't be a Christian and work in the construction business. And I'm thinking, yeah, you can, because I did it for 20 years. And you can serve as a believer in Jesus Christ. You can conduct yourselves and, and you can be a boss and you can have a, a word that speaks authority, but you don't have to use bad language to kind of get that point across. Do you know that you can say tough things without using bad words? You can. You can give discipline without having to curse someone. You may get cursed back, and I have. You can conduct yourself, but in humility serve one another. I think one of the great blessings I had, one of the guys that trained me in masonry, I had an opportunity to have his son on my project as an apprentice. And years later, this young man introduced his wife to me, and he said, this is the best guy I ever worked for. And what a privilege it was, too. I learned a lot from his dad, who wasn't a believer, but a very skilled craftsman. And I was able to share what I'd learned from his dad with this young man, but also in such a way that he, he was just blessed. And I, I even fired a guy once, and he said, let me know when you have another project. He was ready to come back to work. It's like I'm getting rid of you because you almost caused a fight on my job. And yet he was willing to, to come back. And so we have to learn how to conduct ourselves in this world. We as Christians, we are to love 
without hypocrisy. We are to bless and not curse. We are to, if possible, live peaceably with all men, meaning that our worship is not merely vertical between us and God, but horizontal between our brothers and sisters around us as well. And we are to overcome evil with good while leaving the ultimate outcome of these things into the ever faithful hands of the Lord. Father, thank you for your word and for what it teaches us. And I know, Lord, that we have all kind of struggled in these areas. And we have probably all been guilty in one area or another of not conducting ourselves in the way of Christ. And forgive us, Lord, where we have failed. And help us, Lord, to conduct ourselves as much as it has to do with us, Lord, to conduct ourselves in such a way that we live agape before others, that others would see our good and glorify our Father in heaven. We pray that this would be the case. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.